Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 12 of Season 5 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Niall McGowan of the Bat Minute. Welcome back to the show, Niall. Well, I've only got two words for you, Rob. <laughs> oh, I, I, I hope they're, uh, thanks for having me back. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly how I'm at it. Now, yeah. I felt I was, I was about to say it, and then I was just like, you know, both times my the first words out of my mouth have been swear words. It's a bit off that's okay. Show, so. No problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So minute 12 begins with Sam Coleman interrupting Stuart's thoughts and ends with John using his charm. So... Ah. I say too, just so so happy to like just get any William Sadler because I just <laughs> love William Sadler so much. Just in general, he was. Um, I'm sure you, you obviously will be talking about him quite a bit, uh, but like one of my favorite film characters in general is Death from Bill and Ted's <laughs> Journey, and his performance is just like the the I've used the his reaction of Death right more than any other gift or any other clip. On uh, since the creation of the internet, the amount of times I've responded to people by just sending death going, damn it, I, <laughs> uh, is in the millions at this wow. point. Uh, and also he's he's in a he's in a really great show too. Um, it was a one hit wonder show that I loved called uh, Wonderfalls, which was from Brian Fuller, who did went on to create Hannibal, you know, the Hannibal Lecter TV okay. show, which I also loved. Uh, and he was the main character's dad. And I remember at the time, but like, it's death from Bill and Dallas. <laughs> so I just, uh, oh, just I'm nothing but plays for uh, for Bill Sadler here. So happy, too. If you follow him on social media, he's such like a dad. He has a real kind of lame social media presence where he's just like talking about this family. And he's like, like, oh, I got a movie out next week, guys. And it's like Salem's Lot or something. <laughs> something where he plays like a horrible series. Yeah, well, I, I wrote I wrote like, I'll go I, I reached out to him, but he didn't respond. So, you know. Maybe he's just too busy with his dad you know. things. <laughs> you think, if would you rather he said yes, or would you rather he responded with, I've got two words for you, <laughs> Rob? <laughs> that would actually be very so funny. That, I, I like, would be able to say, I would be able to yeah, say that, well. yes, uh, Bill Sadler responded to me and said, fuck you. Okay, yeah, that's true. He should, he should have that with his agent. He should just be like, any any like unsolicited <laughs> requests, just send this clip. For some <laughs> reason, I don't think that he always is constantly thinking about his role in Die Hard 2. You know, for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think of him doing that naked Tai Chi all the time. So I, I, think, I think he should. He, what, what other movies has he got to show off? Is like sinewy. Well, apparently he worked out for is... months, you know, beforehand and didn't even realize that he was supposed to be doing this naked. He thought he was supposed to be doing it just with the shirt off or something like that. So. Ah, so yeah. maybe you think like, oh, you're going to be the main villain in Die Hard. You're like, oh, I'll be wearing like a cool Armani suit the whole time. Like, nope, you get in that <laughs> gym, buddy, because those buns have got to be tight. <laughs> yeah, then Randy Harland, what can you do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He has like one of my old, one of my favorite movie moments in the past couple of years too is when because uh, he came back obviously for Bill and Ted Three, which I I, I, I thought it was a great movie as well. Uh, but yeah, they have the, he, obviously Bill and Ted have fallen out with death. They, they, but they want to get wild stallions back together and then they go down to visit him in hell and he has a whole big argument with, with, with them and he like slams the door in their face and they instantly knock the door again and he just goes like who is it <laughs> and they just go bill it's dead <laughs> and he has to like oh you guys again but it's just so so well done and, oh i love bill sadler so much <laughs> he's such a <laughs> just such a great, great presence but anyway dude, it's just such a like 
I think he's only like 41 or something here. Uh, it's just like it's such a, it has such a, a weathered look about yeah. him. Uh, yeah, he's just he's just a taut looking man. He looks like he's made out of leather. Which which uh, I guess makes sense, dad, so. you know, because again, he is a colonel, so he must be in his 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a way too because you always see him playing like. I guess he always plays like you know mechanics or you know usually usually dad type of roles. Actually, thinking of him as a, a villainous colonel in Die Hard Two seems to be kind of slightly out of step with a lot of what he usually does. Right. I mean, I think I, I think a lot of him worse, about uh, when he was in Shawshank, you know, where he played he played yeah. one of the guys, but he he wasn't that uh, you know he wasn't that bright. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of those ones. Because he, he he's he's just a consistent character yeah. actor, so. I think he's a big he's a big Frank Darabont guy. I think he shows up. Yeah, he was also in, he's in the Green Ooh. Mile also. Um, and the Mist. He's in there I somewhere. Think too. So. He's just, but I don't I don't think he ever made it yeah. onto you know The Walking Dead. I don't think he. He could have been uh, Darabont might have been saving him. He might have been like, well, if I was to go on making this show, he would be like a big character yeah, down the line. But he's like, wait, wait, he only got the one the ones. That, although he's worked his way because considering like Frank Darabont's making all these Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. And Shawshank, he's like he's barely he's barely there. Like he's a real real mm-hmm. side character. And then like we have moving to Green Mile, and then you know uh, Green Mile is a bit more. No, not than much. Than he's the father the of the, the two girls that were killed. You know, he doesn't have that much to do. Yeah, yeah, but it's, like, it's, it's a little bit more. At least he has a distinct part. Whereas in Shawshank, he's just like he's just one of the guys. He's just yeah. one of them. You know. Uh, and then uh, the Mist, he's just he's just one of the people, I guess. But he gets I think he gets killed by like a tentacle monster or something. Uh, but uh, now I know he's. He's Kurt Barlow, I think, isn't he? In the uh, the new Salem's Lot, like he's like the main villain in that. So I'm pretty sure he's playing Kurt Barlow. I think I remember hearing him as being the the big the big bad. It's like, oh Christ, like good for William Sadler that he's been bumped up to like, you know, the, we read Salem's Lot. Kurt Barlow doesn't feature that much, but he's an ominous presence throughout the whole thing. So getting that part is like a big deal. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was good for him to claw on his way at, at, to the top <laughs> of the king pile. Yeah, I guess for sure. If, if if that movie comes out, though, that's a that's a Warner Brothers property that's been uh, and Warner Brothers of, re- of of late has had a problem with just going because it was supposed to be out like last year, and they have a thing of just going like you know what we're just not releasing that now, so he might be in the Salem's Lot version that we might see. <laughs> well, you can be thankful that's not a superhero movie then that would have been completely scrapped, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you never know. It could be like they're going with so where's the Salem's Lot? What Salem's yeah. Lot? <laughs> <laughs> It's gone. That never happened. What are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> so we ended things. We ended things yesterday with uh, Sam uh, Coleman noticing that uh, Stewart is there, and she c- catches up to him with her cameraman. You know, he basically blinding Stewart and Garber. You know, with that huge light that he has on the camera, and she goes, "Come, Stewart. Could we have a few words?" And he looks at her as he continues walking. He doesn't even he doesn't even break step as he's doing. You can have two. You. Yeah, <laughs> and then Garber puts his hand over the the camera and says, "No pictures, you pinko bitch." So I, I thought that was a little strange, you know. The I mean, first of all, you know, we see that she's trying to get the scoop. You know, she's the one. She's looking around. She's like, "Okay, I'm here for Esperanza, but there's got to be something better going on." And you know, she found this this scoop. I so it got me thinking. How old do you think the word scoop is? Oh, I imagine it must be that. That's that strikes me as like a 1930s kind of thing. Like, I can imagine the guy, the, the guys with the fedoras and the little little press things they're gonna have going. What a scoop! And that, that all that okay, business. so it, it actually is even older than that. It was uh, for the first you could first find it documented in 1874, 
and to Whoa. someone someone using it to be the first to report something was in 1884. Okay, it's basically the first discovery or first report of something important. Um, there are a whole bunch of John Le Carre novels, uh, spy novels, that scoop is is new information of major strategic importance, but uh, you know the, the the person doesn't plan on publish, publishing it. I wonder if it was the first scoop that someone created the term "what a scoop." <laughs> like, what a scoop! We've got this new thing we can yeah. say. Tell everybody. <laughs> I mean, she feels to me like she's like a paparazzi here. You know, yeah, running after yeah. him, but Although but like are... paparazzi, I don't think would be running after someone like Colonel Stewart. <laughs> no, no. Oh no, they, they, that's, they, not, yeah. that's not Unless that's not that's not paparazzi Sadler top from, priority. Uh, you know. Like, that's death from Bill and Ted. Go get him. <laughs> um, no, the, it's weird with the portrayal of the, of the press. I wonder if there was a conscious effort. Uh, because Sam's much, much, much more likable than William Atherton was in the previous Or that William movie. Atherton will so be here. Wonder, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I wonder if there was a little thing like, well, we're really hard. We seem to be in- indicating that all journalists were kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Not that William Atherton is supposed to re- represent all journalists. No, but William Atherton is an actor who always plays. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Most yeah. of his, yeah. most of his big roles, that, like the... that, that, that's what he does. You know, you have him in Ghostbusters, and you have him in, in both Diehards, and uh, where else did we have him? There, there, was, there was someone else. I, I discussed it when I did Diehard. There's a, there's a few others where you're like, okay, I understand why he's doing that. Yeah. You know? uh, Real Genius. There you go. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, he's such an yes. genius. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, but his direct actions in Die Hard lead to like you know Holly getting like Gruber figuring out like wait a minute you know, that's right. the interview with you know, well so, what about in this movie um, but, <laughs> you know yeah yeah but I wonder though if they were like we have to have maybe we should have a journalist in here that's like good yeah <laughs> you know the well she's also very helpful to him in numerous occasions here. You know, yeah, should we yeah, should yeah. we helpful so, to John? You know, in the elevator, and should we helpful to John at the end when he needs a helicopter? So, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't. Uh, just wonder, like, you know, if there's any like between the 20th Century Fox and any of the media conglomerates there. We're like, well, if you could portray like a good journalist in here, because we do own several new right. companies as well. <laughs> uh, that, that that might be helpful. Right. For us, but... And do, have you ever heard the word pinko before? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I just, and I was happy to find out too. It means exactly what I assumed it always meant. Uh, I, like, oh yeah, a, a, a pinko is someone like, oh, it's you know, a communist, right? Because it's red. Red is communism, but I guess pink would mean like you're not quite a communist, but you're in the same liberal kind of area. Right. Or whatever. It's someone, it's someone who's basically being sympathetic or or supportive of communism. Yeah, yeah. But I think I, it's one of those things I would have heard. Not no one would ever use it over here, but like it, I've heard it many times in American media. Right. <laughs> so, no, but it, it basically means yeah, someone who's a, on the far left. That's that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So you know, obviously you you know Garber and Stewart are not on the far left here. So. You know, I don't get I'll get into politics or anything like that, but uh, you know, okay. it's easy to see that they are not. <laughs> it could also be an indication too, just to be like, well, they're this supposed to portraying Sam is more likable because you know, like, well, she's on the left, you know, she's a she's a good right. journalist. She's out for the <laughs> out for the people. She's not like a crazed right wing nut job right. or anything like that. But um, one thing I, I will note about um, because of uh, Colonel Stewart's reply. Actually, I was going to skip to him because he's a, he's a colonel who's down to business. He's not got a lot of time. Because in many ways, like you see variations of that that joke done in other movies. Like you see, like a midnight run, 
you know, uh, De Niro at one point says to Charles Grodin, he's just like, I got, you know, I got three words for you. Shut the f*** up. And the joke is, like, that's not right. three words. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, uh, it feels like, oh, they could have they done a thing where he's like, you know, I got two words for you. And then he, he ends up saying more. But I think, or even something like, you know, Men in Black, you have, you know, NYPD means I will knock your punk ass down. And just like, there's a joke on a joke. Right. There. But I guess Colonel Stewart, there's just like, no, no, no. He, he's, it's not that he's not witty or anything. It's just more he's he's got not, no time and he's not going to think of like a real zinger of a joke. This is the the best he's going to come out with is two words. But I, I gotta know, say so. it's a great line. Uh, and it's well delivered, you know. It's, it's, it's delivered by a pro. Uh, but so, yeah, I'm just saying, like, if, if I was there, I'd be like, well, I mean, can we put a joke on this joke or anything? But um, no, I think I think it's best just to leave it. Yeah. Leave it as, as the simple. Yeah, you know, two-word thing yeah, that he does. That's Completely, and he just yeah. keeps walking. Just uh, and then the the mm-hmm. cameraman turns there and goes, "Ah, old news." Yeah, it's weird enough. I just saw a news report yesterday too, where like a journalist trying to get information out, out of, of Colonel Stewart. Walking like, it was like some. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, and yeah, I was uh, having watched this clip. I was I was waiting for the guy to say something, but no, he just awkwardly kept walking on until the journalist couldn't follow him anymore. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, I was really hoping for like a zinger, but no, tragically, right? right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, we'll say though, because I know you'll, you obviously have a lot of material on uh, Sheila McCarthy as uh, as things go on. Um, my only two notes on her is that um, she's in a a really underrated. I'm a I'm a big rom com guy. Uh, I understand you might be as well, Ralph, because you've obviously done uh, when Harry met Sally. But um, she's in a great movie from like two or three years ago called The Broken Hearts Gallery when she pops up in. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen uh, it. It has uh, – oh, I really recommend looking it up. It's got uh, Billy from Stranger Things. And he is, is, is a likable character. It's weird because uh, he's, he's such a hateful ass <laughs> for Stranger Things. Uh, and then a uh, great actress who I really love called uh, Geraldine Vaswathnathan, uh, who's in um, – that thing with Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi at the minutes. Miracle oh, okay. Workers. And she's in, uh, you know, Blockers with John. She was John Cena's daughter in Blockers and stuff. She's a great, great actress. Really, really naturally funny lady. And it's basically the whole thing is that she's like, a, she's, you know, when she t- gets broken up with, she takes it really, really badly. And she always keeps little things of her exes. And then her, she randomly comes across a guy who, of course, they fall in love down the line. But um, she decides then to like put up her mementos on the wall and she just writes a thing called the broken hearts gallery on top of it. It's in like a, a loft space that's just <laughs> open for the public. And then more people come in and they start putting their mementos of their exes and writing how the relationship ended. And it becomes a whole viral thing. Apparently it's based on a true story, like something similar to that. Oh, wow. That's happened. really cool. And what, what role does she play? And she plays like one of the mothers or something? No, no, she's the, Oh, oh no. Uh, <laughs> no, no. She, uh, yeah. She, yeah. She's just one of the random women who shows up at one point to, to, um, Oh. Yeah, yeah, but the and then Bernadette Peters is like the big, you know, the the person comes in like oh, I'm going to pick this uh, proper gallery and you're if you give this speech you'll get a million dollars and oh, uh, but yeah, yeah, she was she was about there as well and um, yeah, it's just a, it's a great movie. I highly recommend uh, people seek it out. I also know too that she was she was in that um, apparently she was in the Free Willy cartoon that no one remembers except for like oh that was the thing that happened. We're like. You know, they, they. I didn't even remember that there was a Free Willy cartoon. So it was. It's yeah, a you, weird one. It went up on me there. No, if you remember, but um, it's one of those things that shouldn't have ever been a cartoon because <laughs> it's just like how do you make Free Willy into like a weekly cartoon, 
It's like you kind of yeah, you kind of turn it into Captain. Every week you got to free him again. Yeah, well, they're bringing like super villains. So it was like free. Well, it was this guy. He keeps getting. He keeps getting. He keeps getting freed, and then someone captures him again. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think they, they kind of went down a more environmental Captain Planet thing with it because there used to be they had a proper super villain in it called like the Machine, and it was a guy with like a half metal head and a big robotic arm and stuff, and you're like. What's this got to do with Free Willy? Like, it's just like they're like, oh, it's an IP we bought. And we're just like, it's, That's uh, really it's weird. a boy and his magic <laughs> whale. And they fight a cyborg guy every week. And it's called Free Willy. <laughs> like, okay. And it's like, how, how many seasons did it last? Oh, it only lasted one season. <laughs> I'm surprised it lasted so, so long. <laughs> it's like, oh, once you, you know, with animation, once you green light it, you have to make a certain amount, I guess. It's like, well, we yeah, already got like so. 90 of these things coming, so then that's season one. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But also, you're also going to do Sheila a lot more down the line. So uh, I just wanted to shout out those two particular projects because uh, I, okay. I don't know if they get a lot of love later on in the season. <laughs> right. And so then we're, we're back. The shot goes back to John. John is now stuck in the middle of like this big crowd of people trying to 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 get across the sea of of tourists, I guess you can say. Mm. Uh, and he he just quickly spots uh, Cochrane, which. You know, I, I give him a lot of credit for that because, you know, he, he's able to find a needle in a haystack, hmm. you know, very simply. Yeah. This is always the thing where, you know, where people always said, like, the, the high concept thing of, like, oh, it's die hard on a bus is speed and, you know, that, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. then I always had a problem because people said, like, oh, die hard, too, is just die hard on a plane. And it's like, no, it's not because he's not on the plane. Like, that's you right. could make Die Hard on a plane, but it wouldn't be this movie because he's running around. It's, all it's Die Hard in an airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, too, like if it was to be like Die Hard in an airport where these guys kind of like they try to do a proper takeover of the airport, it, th- these shots indicate like how impossible that would be because like look how many. Yeah, like, for sure. You could never rein in the crowds like this. It would be like that's right. Thousands and thousands of people there. So um, I always want to give Die Hard 2 a little bit more like oh no it's, it's not just like oh we're repeating the same formula only it's, an air, it's, it's on a plane this time like no it's not on a plane he's running around outside for figuring most of it so, um, that's right yeah I don't even think John is on a plane at all in this movie no no he's 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 in he's in the cockpit he's but on, he's not on a plane that that that's in the air he's on a, the wing of a plane at one point uh, no he's on the wing of a plane yes yeah. but he's also he also sits in the cockpit of uh you know, of of the military one, yeah, uh, foreign uh, FM one, foreign, foreign military one. You know, before he ejects from it. Uh, you know, that's shame they never didn't have one one bit of him sneaking in the door and sitting down, just going die hard on a plane, and it just gets sucked back yeah. out the door again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so John is trying to 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 get across to get closer to Cochran, and we we see him watching Cochran from the distance, and then Cochran walks over to this this door. It seems as if he maybe punches in a code or something like that, or or maybe uses a key. Can't really tell what he's doing. And then he goes through the locked door. Mm. And you know, Cochran before he goes through looks around suspiciously before he he goes through the door. I, I love that. You know, in movies, before someone does something suspicious, they always look around to make sure no one's looking. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just to be sure. Just to be sure. It is the class, the Simpsons, like the the dog with the shifty eyes, basically <laughs> just. Exactly. Stopping and like, for sure. Did it, did it, did it. And as John is trying to go through this whole crowd, he goes, "Oh damn it! Excuse me, excuse me. Mm, mm. Thank you." And after he sees that uh, Cochran goes into this door, he walks over, tries to get in. Get in. The door seems to be locked, mm. surprisingly. And uh, then he looks around and sees a, a sky cap, and he, he decides to ask him for help. 
Right. It's a little strange that the, the, the guy is wearing a, a cap with NEA on it. Mm. You know, the Northeast Airlines. It's like every time that we're going to, we're going to mention this a lot throughout the movie. Anytime there's something that goes on in the airport, it's, it's NEA, mm. <laughs> you know, like this is a guy who works for NEA. Now the actor who plays this character is, his name is uh, Dwayne Hargrave. Mm. He has, how many IMDb credits do you think he has? It's either going to be like 280 or three or something, something like that. It's even less than that. He has one. Whoa. This is his only credit on IMDb. Oh, wow. Okay. He's still out there. And for, it, uh, it, got me, it got me a little, yes. it got me a little curious, but I, I tried searching for him. Couldn't find anything about him. Oh. Uh, but one of the things that I do when I prepare for these episodes is I listen to the commentary mm. from Rennie Harlan. And Rennie Harlan actually mentions that this is a, a guy who they 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 found him. He was a homeless guy on the street wow. and decided that they're going to try and help him and they're going to give him this job. Mm. And now I understand why he, this is his only credit. Oh. <laughs> because, you know, it's not like he got, got went into the, you know, he it, it sounds as if he got a sad card after this. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. Ooh, but, uh, you know. And John walks over to him and goes, hey, man, what is it? You got a key for this door? Yeah, why? Because I want you to open it. Mm. And, you know, he, he flashes his badge at the same time. Once again, he's flashing an L.A. badge, which doesn't mean anything mm. in in uh, D.C., but, you know, it, it still works, apparently. Uh, but the, <laughs> I don't know about, about quite, but as soon as I saw a badge, I'd be like, whatever. But I don't know, it's a real cop movie thing for people to be like, L.A., get the hell out of here. That doesn't mean anything around here. <laughs> like, That's right. Still a cop, man. Come on. That's right. You're out of your jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, oh, well. <laughs> well it's just around this time, like, um, I just really noticed that, like, so much of the music, though, is is the same score as the first movie. Like, uh, like yes. we, it's a big thing we had to do with... Um, it's Michael Kamen who does, does both of them. Yeah, yeah. But it's almost so much to the point, like, you're sitting there going, oh, dun, 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 dun. like, he's just like, oh, just use this. Like, I don't know if he was, like, overworked at the time or if he's just like, well, why put a hat in a hat? Like, just, do you want a diehard score? I have, no, I but, but, but think hard. about it. I mean, if you think about, if you think about like, John Williams' work on Indiana Jones or Star Wars, they're, they're all very similar. Mm. You know, he keeps the same type of thing in a franchise. It's not like you would expect them to have something completely different here. Uh, the, the, you know, I would say, though, the... the there's distinct tracks and stuff between the Star Wars movies. I'll be like, I could tell you which which soundtrack is from which movie just by. Oh, for sure. So can I. But was a thing uh, that happens because we did we had to deal with actually kind of directly in Batman. We had the first two seasons, Danny Elfman doing music. Danny Elfman, and right? It's like Batman Returns is a similar flavor to '89, but he's written a completely different score, of different light right. motifs for different characters. He's got a whole Penguin suite. He's got a whole Catwoman suite. And it's, it, the Batman theme is rejigged and stuff. And then we came across with Batman Forever. It's like, oh, Elliot Goldthal, entirely new score. Batman and Robin, Elliot Goldthal. It's like he just went like, I already wrote you a Batman score. <laughs> like, why, why do you want me to do your novel? <laughs> I was like, I'll add it in a Mr. Well, Thing. come on. That's, that, it, but, but it also shows the difference between the way that Schumacher worked and the way that, that uh, you know, that, that uh, Tim Burton works. Yeah. They, they just... I mean, so I think it's, I'm, maybe I'm, that has part of, part, part of it. Part to do with it. I, don't I, th- know. I think it's like, it might have been over people been overworked too because I think like between Forever, as Batman Forever is ninety five, A Time to Kill is ninety six, and ninety seven is Batman and Robin. So that's three movies on the trot, all of which Elliot Goldthal is doing the music for, 
he could have been like, well, he's like, oh, you could write that Batman and Robin music, right? He's like, I'm, I'm in the middle of doing A Time to Kill, man. What the hell you want from it? So he's like, yeah, yeah, just use, like, here's one. Just reuse what I just did. <laughs> yeah, here's one new thing for Mr. Freeze. It's like one little two-second bit. There you go. <laughs> that, that's your, right. that, that's your, your new score. Uh, which, I don't know. Like, okay, that's fair. Uh, like, Michael came in, like, a, maybe, I, I think Die Hard's the, the most I know of him. I don't know, maybe he's doing, like, a lot of TV work or something at the time, but it's, uh. Yeah, yeah, just uh, it's so much of it's just very much like no, oh, just you know, just use the same, the same bits, you know, <laughs> like, like oh, okay, that it works. I guess if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But um, yeah, yeah, it just it was, it was around this right. time I started really noticing like yes, yeah, it's, it's the exact same. Like I wonder if he even re- yeah, it's very similar. It's very definitely very similar. No question about that. Yeah, yeah, you know. But again, I I, I don't fault them for that. I look at it that okay, they're trying to keep the same type of flow with with the the music yeah 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 that's the way i look at it but you know everyone can look at it differently i know that, that does happen right, like i mean there's i think there's a period yeah. in uh i think it's about season five of like buffy the vampire slayer they completely change like the kind of music that goes on within the show like they start really it becomes a lot hammier and stuff it, it gets very it gets really amped up a lot more I remember the time. Do you think it's because they changed the uh, the person in charge of the music? It could have been. I, 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 I just it's a thing I remember from when I was a kid, and it's been like really like whoa, something's happened here. Uh, it could <laughs> be like maybe maybe they got in someone new to do like the week to week scoring. Uh, so yeah, when you do shake things up, sometimes it can be a bit like whoa, this isn't the same thing at all. What the hell are you doing? So, right. Well, well, well. As you know, Die Hard Three is very different. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, Even though it's back with Mick Tiernan, but but uh, you know. That's what I, it's, they, it's not it. That's a, I don't think it's Cayman who does it. Yeah, it's, it's just very like because yeah, with Die Hard, uh, Avengers, in terms of the high concept thing, it's like it's Die Hard in a city. It's like he's running around everywhere. Because like, the second one, he was right, on the plane, which, right? It's like he wasn't on the plane in the second one. He was running around everywhere in the second one as well. It's like, oh no. Well, no. What's funny is is that that usually people try to get smaller and smaller venues, and in this movie, it's the exact opposite. They, you know. They yeah, go for yeah. the larger venues each time because in Die Hard Four it's the entire East Coast, and Die Hard Five yeah. it's Russia. So, <laughs> and they, they made Die Hard Six. He, he's going to the moon. You know, he's, he's spreading further That's and further right. out. It becomes like right. the right, well, first virus. of all, I, I spreads everywhere. I made a mistake. I did make a mistake. It is Michael Kamen also in the third one. Oh, okay. Michael Kamen does it, but. But you know, I guess as uh, as you said, he he had a little more time on his hands and decided to uh, go with a completely different theme. He probably is sick of hearing people like me going like, "Yes, you're the same score." <laughs> so I'm like, "All right, asshole. Yeah. I'll go over right and and <laughs> and Die Hard Four is Marco uh, Beltrami, but that also probably had to do with the fact that uh, Cayman was no longer alive, mm. so I don't think he was able to do the score. Yeah, I think Marco he's the, the guy who did Scream. I believe that's that's his big. It was his big thing, like Marco Batalmi. Right. But, he, uh, he actually did five also. He did both both four and five. Even oh. though, you know, as we mentioned yesterday, five I don't really count as yeah. part of the <laughs> I think if you were to rewatch five too, you find out Marco Batalmi just went like he just got a score from Die Hard Four, just etched out yeah. four. Right. Well, he also he also did World Right, he also did World War Z, iRobot, um, knowing Hellboy. Mm. Which, which Hellboy though? That's the, thing. Uh, the recent the recent movie Plane. Yeah. The recent movie Plane. Oh yeah. Oh well, there you go. He's, he's he's like he's getting closer to Die Hard too, I guess. But yeah. Plane true. also ironically not set all that much on a plane. The plane only features like fleetingly throughout the film. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, well, they did. That's what they want. They want to grab you in for that, and then you know, and then trick you once you're already there. Yeah, there's a a lot of subterfuge going on with that movie because there's a bit like you see in all the promotional stuff. Jared Butler going on with this gash in his head looks like he's been in a fight, and then you watch the movie and it's like, no, they go through turbulence, and he like an idiot gets up (laughs) and starts walking around the plane when they're in turbulence. It's like you're the captain, man. Freaking sit and steer the damn plane. What are you doing? That's what the pilot is supposed to do. Just walk down the aisle going, are you okay? Oh, I hit my head because the plane's going up and down. <laughs> Probably because I'm not friggin' steering it. But, yeah, it's true. All right. I, I have nothing else to say about this minute. Do you have anything else to say about the minute? Uh, No, no. no that, that, that's all for this minute. Okay, so the, the script is really, really short. It's actually even – it's less than half a page this entire minute. And – the, the only difference is after Stuart uh, says you can have two f***ing you, it says the interview is over and he's out the door. Mm. And then it says that McLean is searching for his quarry, Cochran, and gets a glimpse of him at the door marked no admittance. And then he disappears. Uh, McLean runs up too late. The door is shut again. He looks around, sees a luggage worker, flashes his and says, open this, as the guy obeys. You know, there's no debate. <laughs> In the script, it's open it. Yeah. There you go. I, 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 well, my only additional note would be I do love Bruce's delivery of like, it's, it's like a, a guy has to do this a million times. Is like, you know, oh, can you, you know, open this door for me? Like, oh, like why? And then I'm having to pull it like, oh, because I want you to open. Like, yeah. you know, I'm having to go through like, <laughs> I'm not gonna be a dick about this, but like I have to explain. And yeah, I'm a cop, and you know, it's just just do it. You know, like that, that kind of thing. But uh, so yeah, yeah Bruce. Uh, it's almost as if that Bruce Willis guy is a good actor. But, yeah, uh, apparently. Yeah. All right. So every Tuesday we have a segment called Disaster Tuesday, which one of the things that I decided that I'm going to do this season is uh, because in this movie there is a plane crash. So every Tuesday I'm going to you know talk a little bit about some famous person or persons that uh, unfortunately perished in uh, in some sort of plane accident. So I I, I try to find something close to the geographical location of uh, my guest. Uh, but I couldn't really find anything really famous from uh, from the area of where you live or Ireland or, you know, the places that you told me you're from. So mm. the, the closest I was able to find is, did you know that, that uh, the actor Leslie Howard died in a plane crash? Do you know who? I did not. Do you know who Leslie Howard was? Oh, yeah, I've seen Leslie Howard. Yeah, like a big old, old yes. style movie star. Yeah, that's right. So he, he was he died in 1943, the 1st of June, 1943. And apparently... His plane was shot down by the Germans, oh. you know, as he, he was traveling to Portugal to promote uh, the British cause. And uh, he was flying all, all around there. And then when he was flying back from Lisbon, uh, his plane was shot down by a, uh, a Luftwaffe, Luftwaffe uh, plane while he was over the uh, Atlantic. There were... Those guys really hated the British cause. Like, Apparently, completely. <laughs> there were there were seventeen people on the plane that that were that were killed. Now there have been so many conspiracy theories in the eighty years since this happened that many people believe that Leslie Howard was actually working as a spy, and that's possibly why the plane was shot down. Uh, the, no one has ever given proof of that. You know, it's something that's that's one of those. Uh, you know, legends that uh, you couldn't really find out. 
we can, we'll never really find out if it's true or not. One of the things that, that, that I found out, which I found really, really interesting about it, was that someone's doing a documentary about it. Okay. Ah. There, there's a documentary that's still being made called The Mystery of Flight 777 by a filmmaker named Thomas Hamilton. And he Ooh. goes through all the different theories and myths that have grown about the shooting down of this plane um, because they, they all, they're also talking about other passengers who were on there. But the, the idea is, is that they're trying to, you know, talk about the fact of whether he was a, a spy or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I found, I found that to be a little interesting. Uh, obviously, well, obviously the segment is, is a little on the downer. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> sorry to everybody, but, but still, you know, it's found it to be oh, they died interesting. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the ones we talked about, the one we talked about last week just happened two years ago, three years ago. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about Kobe Bryant last week, but you know, yeah. some of them are, are it, it's unfortunate, but it's also to, uh, you know, to, to, to mention uh, these people mm. and what happened to them. Well, the, may I suggest that you move segments and you move the, the McLean Mondays to Wednesday, call it Willis Wednesdays, and then call it Monday morning. Ah. With the U, and then hey. you put that. That's <laughs> great. That's that great. Monday. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to change it, but, but I, I like the idea. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll, actually, one I'll thing keep that, that in uh, mind. <laughs> when you were saying about that, Leslie Howard, just remembered because uh, we, weirdly enough, in recording on Batman, we talked about Leslie Howard not too long ago. Ah, uh, because <laughs> yeah, he um, he actually Kevin Conroy, this the tragically late Kevin Conroy, who only died there a couple of months ago now, uh, as of recording. He um, one of his people said when he did the voice of Batman back in the nineties, you know, obviously the you know originally in ninety two, and people are saying, oh, are you basing it off. Uh, Michael Keaton and stuff like that. You know that's where you come from. And he always said, "No, no, my, my my kind of take on it is Hamlet, and also specifically Leslie Howard in the Scarlet Pimpernel." Oh wow! He always, very cool. And it was the whole business of like Bruce Wayne's voice. It's very light and airy, and kind of up here, and he's like kind of gad about it and stuff like that. And then his Batman's very down there, but he still talk. He doesn't. He's not doing a proper. He's doing a just a lower version. And apparently, all that is that's directly inspired by Leslie Howard's Scarlet Pimpernel. So Ooh, there you go. Very Let's cool. There you go. There is a connection to Nile, and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> Yeah, I keep telling you, man, everything is connected. That so. is true. That is true. All right, so you want to once again tell people how they can find you. Well, yeah, uh, again, if you want to hear from me uh, you, and hear me tell you more random tidbits about Batman, uh, you can get me at Bat Minutes, uh, which is uh, available on all good social medias. On Facebook, we have the Bat Minute Listener's Cave, wherein we uh, just come in and talk about doesn't have to be about Batman, just Batman adjacent stuff. You can go in and talk about. You want to talk about Michael Keaton's latest thing, what Tim Burton's up to, what Joel Schumacher was up to, what you know. If you found a random tidbit, it's all fair game over there. Uh, and then we're on Twitter and we're on Instagram at the Batminutes. And uh, yeah, the show's available on all good podcasters. You've got four whole seasons you can catch up on, and also just like a plethora of random hiatus episodes. Like we've done reviews of Jingle All the Way. We've done all the Prince movies. Of course, Prince did the soundtrack for '89, so we've looked at his three theatrical releases. We've done uh, Mars Attacks. We've done the Number Twenty Three. We did uh, the Joel Schumacher's The Phantom of the Opera most recently there, which was a great episode. Really, like, (laughs) really, really enjoyed editing that and stuff when we listening back to it. Uh, So yeah, you can hear me talk about Batman and much more over there. So uh, yeah, yeah, when uh, if yeah. Great. Thank you. 
And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a Move Around Minute. You can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little